This is Government Gone Digital. I'm Dana Birchman, Chief Digital Officer here in Gilbert, Arizona, and I'm here today with Derek Konofalski and Jessica Bautista, two of my amazing staff members on our digital communications team. And since the launch of this podcast a few months ago, I've had quite a few emails and calls from other cities and groups who are looking to start podcasts as well. So I thought we would use this episode and start our new year to talk about what actually goes into making a podcast. Um, Because it does take a lot of work, and I've had people ask from the technology standpoint, you know, what equipment do you need, or, you know, what's the process of actually launching a podcast? So um, I thought we would just kind of each go around the room. I will say it's definitely a team effort. Um, It's not something you can do alone. And I know we initially came up with the idea, and we thought about, you know, what we would call it. So the first thing you have to do is kind of think about what your purpose is. And for us, it was talking about government transformation into the digital realm and some of the things that we're doing here in Gilbert. And I thought at first that mostly our audience would be other cities, but what I realized is that there are people even not in government who could learn something from what we're talking about um, on our podcast. So that's been kind of exciting, but really kind of determining who your audience is and what the purpose is, what you're trying to accomplish would be really important, first of all, when you get started and then thinking about what content you have. Do you have enough to talk about? Um, That was one question I got from a city recently. They said, we want to start a podcast with our manager but we really don't feel like we have anything to talk about. And especially if you're going to do a podcast weekly, it sneaks up on you and you need to have enough to talk about to fill the time. So Jessica and Derek, you both have been super instrumental in kind of getting this off the ground and getting it going. And um, it's it takes a lot of work. I think people listen to a podcast, they think, oh, it's you know 30 minutes you know here or there. But it's a lot more than that um, in the pre and post production. But I think Since we've launched in October, we've learned some tips and tricks and some things along the way, like recording multiple episodes at once, different things that you can do to, you know, maximize your time and be sure that, you know, your podcast, the quality, improve the quality. Um, So Derek, why don't you start with, you know, maybe talking about where we record, how we record, and and we can get into the equipment. Yeah, so... The recording, uh, we have a few different places that we've actually done some recording in, but really when you're looking for a place to record, the the best place is obviously a small room with, um, you know, walls that are covered in some kind of like insulation or double drywalled or something like that where you're minimizing echo. That's, that's really the worst possible thing that you can have um, in a recording is, is the echo because it just kind of kills everything. Um, so really you just have to find a room, you know, we record in a conference room that is not too big, but it's, it's big enough to where we have room to kind of spread out, but not big enough where it gets super echoey, um, while we're recording. And, um, you know, we just, we, you need room where everybody can kind of face each other. So a round table or like a, a setup where everybody's kind of facing away from each other. The way that echo usually is caused is two ways. One, it's bouncing off the walls and then coming back to the mic, which is really, really hard to fix. And then the other echo is you obviously have multiple people in a small area. So the mics will pick up everybody else talking as well. And that's a lot easier to work with because you can literally cancel sound out from other microphones. Whereas the echo from the walls, it's just kind of like a reverb instead of an echo or instead of a, a you know, a sound that's being picked up. So um, the ideal room is a small room where everybody can sit around, preferably like 
as opposite each other as possible um, so they're not picking up each other's mics and then just somewhere you can move where you can be natural. You don't want to be cramped. You don't want to, you know, feel like you have to um, stay quiet or normal speaking volumes. And again, the Jessica actually loves to use this phrase garbage in, garbage out, or, or she told me garbage in, garbage out. So, um, you know, that that's really the ideal place to record it is if there's people talking outside or, you know, you're, you're not in a quiet environment, that's also going to hurt you too. I have to say that one thing that's really been interesting, I listen to a variety of different types of podcasts and some are, you know, highly produced. You can tell there's a lot of musical elements, you know, they have advertisers um, participating and so forth. And then there's others where I've heard, you know, soda cans opening, you know, clicking and background noises and Siri talking and, you know, different (laughs) things like that in the background. And I think that's okay. And we talk a lot about video and what we do here. We have some highly produced stuff that we do that obviously that wouldn't fly, but in live video, anything can kind of happen. So, I think it is also important to note that people are really listening for the content. It's about what you're talking about. And, you know, those things are all really important too. But don't get intimidated if you don't feel like you have the ability um, or the means to, you know, get all of this fancy equipment or find, you know, the best spot. Obviously, we want the podcast quality to be terrific. But I think I listen to kind of a gamut, you know, it runs the gamut from the very highly produced, I think, are really well done to um, people that are probably in their basement, you know, recording this for fun. So that is kind of one of the beauties of it is that you don't need to have, like you said, we're sitting in a conference room right now. We ideally would love to set up a studio, like you mentioned, with the insulated walls, but we don't, and we've made it work. And I think it sounds pretty, pretty great. And when you say studio, what we're really talking about is like, what, a 20 by 20? Yeah, like a closet. It used to be <laughs> a, a storage room. So, you know, if you're looking for a really glamorous life, start a, start a podcast. Um, but we started out, our first, our first episode that we ever recorded was one of those learning experiences. We did it in a different, we did it in Dana's office, and it happens to have a wall of windows, which is beautiful. Uh, and then when you record sound in there, you kind of listen back and you're like, wow, that's awful. Yeah, it um, sounds like you're in a tin can. <laughs> it was, you yeah. know, we have these really high ceilings. Um, Derek and I uh, sit in an office that has <laughs> ventilation. We have four AC vents above our <laughs> desks and it's virtually impossible to record sound there because you just got like the whole room kind of vibrates. So, you know, we're not talking about anything spectacular in terms of a studio. We are literally in a in a conference room, just a nice, quiet conference room and it's you know, it could be, it can be as simple as that, I think. Yeah. And the other thing too, you know, Dana mentioned that you don't have to have all kinds of fancy equipment. Like we're, we literally bought the, the kind of the bits and pieces that we could from Amazon. And then the other stuff was stuff we already had. We're using microphones that we already had that, you know, we were using for other stuff. I know people that record podcasts with like the headset mic from their iPhone and, you know, you've, you already said it, but it's, it's like a great point to drive home is the content is really what people care about. If, you know, if it doesn't sound, if the sound isn't distracting from the point, then you're fine. It doesn't have to be, you know, amazingly clear. You don't have to do all this cleanup work for it. I mean, it's great if you can, but you don't have to, as long as the message gets across and the point gets across, you know, have at it. Record right into your iPhone. Stick it in the middle of a table. Get like a yeah, blue. Um, one of my favorite microphone companies because they do a lot of mics for um, computers and USB stuff or whatever. They make a microphone called a Snowball. Or we for a, a while used Yeti microphones. Snowball is like fifty dollars, and you can set it in the middle of the table, and it's an omnidirectional microphone. You might get some echo, but if everybody's sitting close enough to it, it's perfect. It's a great microphone. Exactly. So talk about. 
um, the editing process because I think that's another piece of it. You mentioned, you know, what what type of cleanup you do with the sound in post-production and, you know, how time-consuming is that? Because we record, we try to keep our podcasts around around 20 to 30 minutes. Um, sometimes if the topic's really popular, it might go a little bit longer, but that's kind of the ideal spot. But it's not 20 or 30 minutes of your time. There's there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of post-production that goes into it and pre-production as well, which I'll talk about the planning for what the topics are and yeah, so, so it, it depends. Most of our episodes are recorded um, in one go, and we, it's you know obviously a conversational format. So um, there's not very much editing in terms of like cutting stuff out or or moving stuff around. It, um, we we try to keep it as as naturally free flowing as possible. Unless um, there's like a factual error or yeah. someone misspeaks. Or, yeah. yeah, and in that case, the, that's usually um, you know kind of I j- just pull it out really easily. It's not that big of a deal. But the the biggest part of the process is um, when we record, I have the setup so that every each microphone is on its own track so that I can pull out each voice individually if I need to, you know, turn the volume up. Um, not to call you out, Dana, but you're very animated when you talk, so you, you kind of turn away from the mic sometimes, so I might need to, like, turn up your volume and stuff like that. Um, and so each person has their own individual track that I use, and then I also have a mix-down track that has everybody on one. So if there's something you know, there's a, a lot of instances where um, we might all be laughing or saying stuff at the same time, and it just it kind of gets crazy trying to edit everybody and get their volumes matched up when really the original recording sounded just great. So um, the editing process is basically just me taking those three tracks, lining them up so they're all timed correctly, um, and then going through, and I have to play with um, like the, the sound quality. One, one of the things that we do at the end of every episode, which I think is awesome, is we record just like 20 seconds of empty room noise. And then there's tools that you can use. Um, If you have like the Adobe Creative Suite, it's built in there. There's a free tool called Audacity where you can actually take a sample of room noise and make like a room profile. And then it it basically cleans up uh, or deletes that those sounds from the rest of the recording. So if there's like a hum, just mentioned we have some AC vents that, you know, sometimes go, um, there's just like a natural, like a, a hiss or a hum in the room and that, that all gets removed immediately. So I can do that individually for each of those three tracks to get kind of the clearest voice possible. And then afterwards um, I go through and I, I change um, the, the it's called the EQ, but it's basically the the quality of the sound or, or the 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 highs and the lows. So the very like bassy um, voices, like my voice is is pretty deep. So I like to kind of turn down the the base of my voice so that it's more neutral a little bit. Because again, the the biggest enemy is when stuff sticks out and and pulls away from whatever the content is, whatever the message is. So if somebody has like a really high pitched voice and it you know it kind of uh, it's, it's, it's much more drastic than everybody else. It stands out. And then people start to pay attention to that one specific piece more than anything. So I turn down anybody who has a very high-pitched voice. Um, I, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll have to do cleanup. Uh, I use something called a noise gate, which uh, in, in a few instances, if somebody's talking, um, when it quiets down below a certain level, it just drops the, the audio completely. And that I usually need when there's like bad echo or when there's background noise going on. You're just basically telling the, the audio program or the audio editor when the volume gets, you know, when the person stops talking, their volume is usually pretty high. When they stop talking and the volume drops below this level, just turn off their microphone or turn off that track so that it's not going. Um, it can cause problems sometimes, again, but it's you're, 
as long as it doesn't detract from the sound, it doesn't take the person out of whatever the message is, you're great. These are all effects that are found in the software that we use. Yeah, and then like I said, Audacity um, is, a, is a program that's free. It's open source. You can download it. It doesn't cost anything. We here use the Adobe suite because we use uh, the Creative Suite for other stuff for video editing and things like that. So we already have that. Um, but Audacity, you can do all the same stuff for free. It doesn't cost anything. And just to clarify, so this is not your primary job. So both Derek and Jessica both do other things. So Derek runs our Spark App League program and, you know, does all of our, you know, anything related to mobile applications and development. And so this is something that he also does on the side. And Jessica is a video um, producer and editor shooter. So you're using Premiere and things like that every day. And so obviously these skills translate, the skills you have allow us to be able to do something like this. But if I had questions from other city about, do I need a full-time staff person to do podcasts? No, but you do need people that have the skills. And like you said, access to the software to be able to to use it and to know how to use it. Um, you know, we, I get those questions a lot. Well, we, we get Premiere, now what? Well, you have, you know, obviously we have to know, you'd know, have to know how to edit. Um, and so, yes, those are the advantages to the skill sets that you already have, what you guys bring to making this production so easy. Um, but I love the tips you give about, you know, keeping it simple and using something like Audacity to make it sound great, um, even if you don't have access to a bunch of fancy software. Yeah, well, and we talked about it, like we did the episode about tech and tools, and I think a lot of the times when people are thinking about <laughs> video or doing recordings or, or anything like that, they get really caught up in like, you know, like you just said, I, I have all the tools, now what do I do? Well, that's not the important part of, of what you're doing. <laughs> the important part is having something to say that is interesting for people to listen to, and then just, you know, that garbage in, garbage out, just as as much as possible, try to make it as not distracting as possible so that people can pay attention to what you're saying. So, you know, uh, I mentioned the the iPhone uh, microphones or, or, you know, the the headsets. It doesn't even have to be the iPhone microphone, but just a, a headset with a microphone. That microphone hangs right next to your mouth. Get everybody with one of those headsets if you don't have the microphones, and then just go on Amazon and buy like a little input uh, a jack splitter that you can use to plug into the microphone input on your computer, and bam, you've got a podcast. You know, If you want to edit it, great. You mentioned some people, it, their podcast is completely unedited. There's sounds, there's noises, series going off. You know, um, People are, are running water and stuff people are drinking i've heard i've heard on in some podcasts you know you can yeah. hear somebody taking a sip it's like whoa, whoa, dogs whoa. dogs barking yeah <laughs> yeah so you know don't focus so much on like the technical side of it um just kind of do what you need to do to get it going and obviously like the internet is a great resource there's hundreds of people that do this online the the big thing is the number one tip i can give is just the, the that message whatever you're trying to say is the important part and everything else is just it's just fluff. It's just bonus, you know. If you can make it sound awesome and super clean and super produced, great. But if not, don't worry about it. Yeah, the audience is is, is there to listen to the content and the, and not critique the quality necessarily. And yeah. the podcast audience in general is willing to take, you know, the coffee drinks and the you the know, cough. The cough, <laughs> you know. You can edit Je- that out Jess, later. Yeah. Jess has a Jess yeah. has struggling. I've got a bag of, of Ricola next yeah. to me right now. And, uh, <laughs> 
and some hot water to drink um, as I do this podcast. I already preemptively apologize to Derek for the editing he may have to do. That's okay. The yeah. other fun part about Derek's editing is uh, he gets to know all of our um, oh yeah little uh, little quirks. quirks. Yeah, I didn't like, want to mention that, but because th- th- that's the, I don't literally think, literally yeah. all of our little quirks. I don't think that that's a, uh, a a super important part of the editing process. But again, if I find that somebody is saying literally every couple words <laughs> and it becomes distracting like you, you notice save us. it you help us yeah, yeah. well I, I just I try to cut that stuff out yeah. you know you know that's another one uh, I I use it Jen we've had a couple podcasts Jen used it there was one you know point where she was kind of collecting her thoughts we kind of put her on the spot and she was just you know and then you know and so I just again if it's distracting, that's that's when the editing comes in. If it's not enough to be distracting, it might just and, it, and you, like I said, it's I I tend to be overly sensitive to that stuff because I'm listening to the podcast mm-hmm. over, over, and over and over and over and over again. So really, when I'm done editing or when I'm worried about something, I send it to you guys first and be like, "What did you notice? Something was wrong." If you didn't notice it, then it's probably fine, and it's just because I've been listening to it over and over and over again. Exactly. And the more you listen to yourself, the more you become aware of your own. Um, you know, verbal mishaps and things like that, that your, your um words and things. Um, so I think that's kind of been interesting over the course of this as well, because we're all in a lot of the podcasts. And so we, we listen to every podcast before it goes out, um, everybody who's in it. And so you kind of get to know your own speaking style a little bit more. Yeah. And you mentioned too, that, you know, people don't really care. The people listening don't really care about yeah. that kind of stuff because they're mostly, I, I think even statistically, the number one place people listen to podcasts is in their car. So it's not like the audio, you know, their the speakers are like super high quality or it's not headphones that are like right in their ears or anything. And they're hopefully paying attention to the road. So they're not paying attention to the ums and the apps. It's a background. You know, yeah. And the, the, yeah. the literallys and whatever. They're, it's, just, it's a conversation that they're a third party participant in. Well, and I think that leads us to the whole point is that podcasts should be conversational. And if you're being conversational, obviously all of those things are going to happen. And I get asked, you know, how much preparation did I do I do for each episode? And I will say it's a lot. I have to think about the topics. I have to write a script. I do an intro, an outro. Um, and then I usually do bullet points of, of the certain topics that I know that I want to hit within an episode, but I'm not over-preparing. I'm not writing out questions. I don't script answers. I think I tried to do that a little bit too much in the beginning, and I noticed that when other people were coming on, it almost makes them become overly worried about their notes or did I miss something or did I misspeak? And I think just what the one big lesson I've learned that I would share and others would probably argue with me because and disagree because they may have to feel like they need to prepare in order to have a successful episode. But I believe our best episodes have been when it's a natural conversation on the fly about a topic that is fresh in our minds. It's very difficult, and I think we realized this when we went back to talk about a video we made last spring, and everyone was like, wait, what? was that that video? And, you know, it, and it required a lot more work on my end prepping, making sure I went back, looked at all the analytics, looked at the dates, um, was certain that I had the whole process right and gave everyone that information beforehand versus a few weeks ago, we had an advanced event for our spark app league. And the next day we recorded 
an episode, a podcast episode about the event. And it was fresh in our minds. We didn't talk about it. We hadn't talked about the event after it until we got on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, that was our debrief. That was our debrief. <laughs> and it was, it was awesome it was because it was just a natural conversation. Like I said, it was all fresh in our heads. And I think we all felt, you know, excited. We had that enthusiasm versus bringing someone on to talk about something if they're not comfortable with it, if you've never had a conversation with them about it before. That also, I think, can bring up some surprises. Um, If you have a conversation with someone, I know this happened to me passing, I had a conversation with someone in the hallway and I was like, this is a really interesting conversation. This person needs to come on the podcast and we need to have that conversation. But I wouldn't go above and beyond to kind of prepare. Now you can pre-interview. If you have a guest coming on that you've never had before, believe me, people the way they are without a microphone and with a microphone, it's two completely separate things. And I always tell people, you know, pretend the microphone isn't here, just make it disappear. Look at me in the eye. We're having a conversation. Forget about the equipment, forget about everything else. Just talk to me. And I think that's really important. And that's probably the best advice I would give to just be able to have that natural conversation and also have people not be nervous and not get tied to notes or worried about talking points or worried about missing something. Obviously, in certain situations with certain topics, you're going to need numbers or statistics or analytics or whatever it might be. And so you'll have to do some more prep work and you might have to bring that with you. But I, again, I think if it's fresh in your head and it's a natural on-the-fly conversation, it's just going to be more interesting and compelling for your listeners. And I would absolutely say that the best episodes we've had have been those that happened that way that were just kind of organic. In fact, the tech and tools episode that we did, if you want to go back and listen, that wasn't what the topic was supposed to be. Yeah, we changed it seconds before we started yeah, to record. It was supposed to be, you know, how to use video or, you know, what yeah. the ways we're using video to storytell. And like it turned into this, oh wait, we have, we're using all these cool, like there's all these little tools that you can use in your hand and on your phone. And then it was like, oh, well that's kind of an episode in itself. And then it just organically became this episode about tech and tools. And I think it was probably one of the best episodes. So again, yes, there is some prep work that needs to be done. And I think more for me, it's what's the topic going to be? Who's, who are the guests going to be? Um, you know, and again, trying to record a few at a time and definitely when you're on, I know we had Patrick, we, our manager who's participated in a couple episodes and we did one the beginning of the day. We did one at the end of the day and his schedule is obviously very demanding. And, you know, it's finding that sweet spot where when's that time? Are you a morning person? Are you not? Are you going to be distracted? Are you going to be on the phone? And so again, carving out that time and then, and again, too, it is very time consuming on the pre and the post end. It's not just carving out an hour and a half to record an episode or two during the day. It is also what goes into the post. And so I'd love Derek for you to talk about a little bit, because I know you get, you get a, a lot of that on your end, you know, talk about where, you, you know, how long you would say a, about a 30 minute episode takes to edit if there's not, you know, any major changes and then talk about what you do to actually post it. Okay. Uh, it's, it hasn't taken for any of the episodes we've done so far, it hasn't taken me more than a day of editing. Um, and that's not, you know, definitely not continuous or anything like that. I think the fastest turnaround we had was like four hours. It took me to edit a video or uh, sorry, uh, the podcast episode. And that again was just cleaning up audio. You know, it doesn't definitely doesn't have to take that long, but, um, we just we had a lot of room noise and stuff like that that I had to clean out. So four hours is probably I would say like the average. Um, maybe a little bit like four to six hours is the average that it takes me to to edit stuff in, put the music in, um, you know, export it out, and and 
give a listen to it. There's, again, some of those dropouts that I have to fix and things like that. Um, and then as far as actually just like putting it online, um, we use a platform called SoundCloud that just lets us upload the file to it and it's online if we want it to be. Um, we put in tags and descriptions and we chose SoundCloud for our platform because it publishes right to the Google Play store for Android devices and then the app store or the podcast store for iOS and Apple devices. And then they also offer an option for a feed. So we were able to put that feed right on our gilbertaz.gov website, which then, you know, it, it, for, for me, that the d decision came down to access. It was the, the easiest way for us to access all these different platforms without having to manually upload files here and then upload files here or set up a server or do whatever. There are some other, you know, podcasting platforms that are even simpler than SoundCloud. You can set up tags and stuff in advance, and then you only have to change, you know, per episode, the ones that apply to that specific episode. Um, but for the most part, it's, it's really, we just, we put that online, it, it goes out there, we write a description, um, and then we, we market it, we, we put it out there. But SoundCloud makes it really, really easy to do that stuff. They give you unlimited storage space um, for publishing all that stuff. So it's, uh, it's, it's probably the easiest platform. Again, there are some other ones that, you know, if we had unlimited resources, I, I would probably go because they offer some other features that are really cool. But for the most part, um, you just toss it up there and people can get to it. And we wanted to make sure that, you know, no matter what device you had, you could access it, that we weren't limiting our audience in that way as well. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely, that's one of the reasons that I like that feed because um, even if they're not using, uh, you know, a lot of podcasts that I've seen from, from smaller organizations or smaller groups, they assume that people are using an iPhone and that they're using the podcast app on the iPhone. Well, that's not even true. They could be using the iPhone with any number of podcast apps from the app store or, you know, then the other side, the Android phone, and then they have like a whole bunch of them. Or some people even listen to it on the computer, you know, from a website or they have a, a you know, special app for music that they use that also includes like a podcasting feed feature. So you don't want to make those kinds of assumptions about where your listeners are. You just want to make it as available to as many people as possible so that however they choose to take that in, that's their choice. Absolutely. And I think talking about the promotion, um, it's interesting because we decided that, well, I think first we were going to do them every other week because we were a little nervous that, do we really have enough to talk about every week? And so far it's, we have, which is great. And like I said, kind of jumping on those current topics or things that happen, I think is really important. It's another great way to find content, right? If it's a hot topic this week, it might be something we're working on a project or, or maybe something that's just happening in the world of government or production or video that you want to talk about. And promoting it is another piece. So we decided that we wanted to have a catalog of episodes before we really started putting it out there. And surprisingly enough, we just basically promoting on Twitter, I think, and Facebook are on our own social platforms for Gilbert Your Town. And word of mouth. And word of mouth. Just telling people about yeah, it. Yeah, we were averaging about 130 listens per episode right out of the gate. And that was with a small amount of promotion. I mean, we haven't even started to... And I don't think we've paid for any of the social ads none, either. Not yet, no. And we wanted to have, I think, about 10 episodes in the can, which we do now in a catalog. Because when people come, they again, they want the content. They When I know for myself, when I listen, one of my favorite podcasts is the How I Built This on NPR. And I finally got caught up 
And then I was like waiting. I felt like I was waiting forever for the next episode to come out, you know? But when there's a whole catalog there, it's so great because you just go from one to the next and the next. And, and I'm, I'm a car listener. That's where um, I tend to do all of my podcast listening. And then when the content's gone, you're like, oh, I want more. I wish this was daily, you know? Well, and that was part of our strategy too was that we wanted to, you know, front load all those episodes so that when people did find out about the podcast, they weren't in that situation where they hear one or two episodes and they're like, oh, this is interesting. And then there's nothing more to listen to. So, you know, even if we don't end up releasing weekly episodes or whatever, you want that catalog for new listeners to go in. You know, ultimately the the point is for people to subscribe to your podcast and even uh, kind of on a small tangent, but, um, you know, we didn't even record these in the order that they're released in most cases. So if you're worried about like the content, the best content is the stuff that's timeless that you could release at any point. You know, obviously we have stuff like the Spark one that we wanted to time with it. We're going to have another one that's going to coincide with, you know, an event that we're doing, the digital state of the town. But for the most part, if your content is good, it's not going to matter when you record it. You could set off a three-hour block of time, record three or four episodes, and then figure out what's the best way to Absolutely. release Absolutely. Yeah, they don't have to expire. <laughs> no, because someone might not stumble upon your podcast until a year from now, and you would hope that if they go back to look at your content, they're not going, what is that? That has nothing, you know, it's totally irrelevant now. And so that is a great point to make that I think it is really important to think about those things and, and keep it. That's why we, we don't really do a current events element to ours for that reason. Um, sometimes we might, something else might pop up. So we might release another episode before it. So those timestamps are really important when you're doing that to kind of keep in your head, you know, don't say on your podcast next week, if you don't know mm-hmm. when you're releasing it, yeah. I know that sounds really basic, but we run into a couple of things where we've said, Oh, at the end of this month, X, Y, or Z will happen. And it, might not get released till the next month. So those are great, great tips to keep in mind, I think for sure. And then I also think, you know, creating a hashtag and asking people to have a conversation. Ours is um, GovGoneDigital. Use the hashtag, ask us a question or engage with us on social media. I know another podcast, um, GovLove, found our podcast and then had me on to talk about our podcast on their podcast. So everybody's doing a podcast, Podcast right? Cross promotion and get that word of mouth going. Yeah. And it was easy. I called in, it was like, you know, an hour of my time and I got to meet other people who were doing a similar, you know, also doing podcasts. And I thought, you know, this is, this is really interesting. And I think this is an area that's really going to grow. And I, I should have mentioned at the beginning and I didn't, but the reason that we started doing a podcast was because we were getting a lot of questions about the work we're doing in our digital communications department here from other cities or groups who were looking to either, you know, dip their toes into video production or maybe start mobile app development or we do a coding contest for high school students. And so I was spending some time on phone calls or actually going to various cities and doing presentations about how our department was set up and the the types of positions we have. And, And it is very non-traditional for government communications. And so people are fascinated with that. You know, we have digital journalists on staff. We don't really have the traditional communications hierarchy of, you know, a public information officer and so forth. And so people wanted to know, you know, how we were doing what we were doing. And again, I would argue what we're doing especially digitally, is more cost-effective um, than that old-school way of printing mailers and sending them to every resident. So if you want to learn more about that, I would definitely encourage you to go back to other episodes where we talk specifically about our, some of the ways that we're marketing to our residents and beyond because, again, I think it's really 
important to note that, you know, when I set out to do this, it was, okay, maybe it's for other cities who are looking to do this and maybe it's for Gilbert residents so they know that this department exists and that we're here servicing them in these ways and they can engage with us on social media and watch our videos and so forth. And so it's been kind of interesting when we, you know, set out to do this and I thought, what's the best way to do this? You could go and travel, you could go to conferences, I could spend all of my time and money that I don't believe is necessarily the best way, you know, way to spend our time traveling everywhere, talking about conferences, or what was the old school way? Write a book, right? Everybody wrote a book. Like if you had an idea, you did something like this, you wrote a book about it. And to me, it just, that didn't seem right. So it was, let's do a podcast. So that's how the idea came to be. So if, again, you're thinking about getting into the world of podcasting, understand why and what the purpose is. And again, like I said, for me, I thought at first it was other cities looking to do this. But what I found is I've gotten interest from other marketing departments who are just looking to get into video that have nothing to do with government. And so again, communications in general, I think it is so broad. And I, I think also our residents are really interested in what we're doing. Gilbert is one of the fastest growing cities in the country. Um, we have about 240,000 people here and we're looking to add another 100,000 for build out. And we're really transforming from a bedroom community into a business community. And so we're growing. And I think our age demographics work well for what we do digitally. And in a podcast, our average age is 32. We have a very highly educated population. So they're engaged. And we always talk about going where our residents are. You need to be where they are. And so I think this is a great platform to be connecting with residents, businesses, perspective, people that want to come here and live here or run their business here. And so I think it's a great tool for us. It's really exciting. And again, I think think other people can't, you know, you don't have to get ready. You don't have to dress fancy. You can do it from your desk in your pajamas at home if you want, you know. Um, and so I think that's another piece of it that's really interesting is we've seen production and video and podcasting really evolve from what was so visual to and so highly produced. I mean, I was in television production where you would have, you know, multiple cinematographers and videographers on set to transforming to the one man, one woman band where you did it all yourself. And so I think in that world that we live in now where you kind of have to be versatile, I talked about my staff being able to do a little bit of everything, whether it's edit or shoot or produce or write and, you know, kind of being well-rounded and versatile, but it's really, this is a great platform to lend skills, but be able to share talents and stories and have people talk about what the work you're doing. And it's relatively easy. You don't have to get on a plane. You don't have to write a book, publish a book. So again, if you're looking to get into that realm, just be sure you have the content, but other than that, it's it's kind of we just kind of did it on a whim, I would say too, and and we're figuring it out as we go. Yeah, I and think I think the most important thing that I'm seeing is you know you've talked about it a, a little bit in in various parts of this podcast, but the accessibility it's it's really information that we're just getting to, to third parties. So, you know, we kind of have like a baked in audience because we have other government organizations that have already asked us about this stuff. So they'll subscribe. But ultimately, our goal is to get people to subscribe to the podcast, to listen to stuff that we're doing on a regular basis. And, you know, you said we, you want to be where your residents are. That's the kind of thing that, that inspired the podcast and inspires all the digital stuff that we do. You might not have the same, you know, if you're in a government organization or a marketing group, you might not have the same situation, but a podcast might be something that fits for you. Our our fire department was thinking about doing a podcast, not because they want to, you know, reach out to the public or whatever, but because they have trainees that are listening to podcasts all the time. 
and they have timely info that they need to get out to them, you know, in a specific order or whatever. So their trainees can just subscribe to a podcast and then whenever they have updated information, boom, they get a notification on their phone and it's already in whatever app they're already using and, and stuff that they're already doing. So, um, you know, again, accessibility, as long as you make it easy for people to get your content, however you do it, podcast or not you're doing it right. You know, if you can make it easy for people to get to it, this was just another avenue for us to communicate that to people. And I think to your point, it's great. You, you could travel all over and talk to people and have the same conversation over and over and over again. Or you can just say, actually, we already talked about this. You know, we have a pot. Here you go. And then if you have any other questions, email me. And I think in most cases, people listen to it and they're like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder what else they talk about. And then, you know, the next episode comes up or whatever. And I think people have asked, you know, well, what, what does success look like, you know, with the podcast? And I think that's kind of the fun of it is that we don't really know. I, like I said, I, I wasn't even sure what the defined audience was at first. I mean, I knew what the purpose was, but I didn't know who would be interested. And I've been so surprised to find people that have emailed or called or even, you know, written notes on social media. And so again, if, if you are listening and you want to give us a review, we would absolutely appreciate that too. And, you know, share it with others because I think that's, you know, the best way we can all connect. And you talked about it and I, it kind of, it popped into my head that connections that we're making mm -hmm. the people that we're able to bridge without, like you said, having to go and say the same thing at 14 different conferences over the course of the year, but think of how we can connect. We, when I participated in a podcast recently, I was with a manager from upstate New York, a city manager, and he does his own podcast, like all on his own. And it's just about, you know, city management. And I thought that is so cool, you know, and I would have, I did, wouldn't have known that unless I met him on this call. And so I think making connections, we always, I always talk I mean, my staff knows this every day about relationships, right? But this is the same type of thing is, you know, we're building relationships or trying to help other people and talk about the things we're doing. And that's why I listen to other podcasts is so I can learn and learn what other people are doing and thinking. And I think it's just this really interesting new wave of, again, you used to read a book, right? Like you'd go to yeah. the library, you would check out your book and you would read about whatever that industry was. And now you can go searching for a podcast about a particular topic and find an entire catalog of episodes about whatever it is you might want to learn more about. So hopefully in some way we're contributing to this, you know, the work that we're doing in digital government and the change we're fundamental change, I believe, that we're trying to make in the way that government does business, um, especially when it comes to technology and communications. I think if, you know, even if we help one person in one city think about the way they're doing things or maybe how they could do it better or differently, then we have succeeded. Yeah. You know and not to like circle back too far around, but you know, we talked at the very beginning of this episode about, um, you know, Technology, you call me your tech guru or whatever all the time. And, and because I think you that, are. <laughs> well, I, I think a lot of the times the, the difference in the way that like I see technology with the way that I see some other like super techie people look at technology is they're very fascinated by like the bells and whistles. But when it comes down to it, technology is just a, a different way to facilitate what you were saying, relationships and connections and things like that. Technology is just to make that easier. Yes, it's cool to have a smartphone and everything, but ultimately the big thing about a smartphone is that it lets you connect to people that are halfway across the world or, you know, technically even people back in time. It lets you time travel. It lets you see stuff that somebody two years ago was thinking about a specific topic that maybe you were interested in or whatever. And so we're putting this information out there ultimately for people to make connections, whether they're connecting with us 
you know, a year from now, or they're connecting with us right as we release the podcast, or they're seeing it on social media. It's just that information sharing that is the important part. So uh, I was going to say to circle back to the point that we were making initially is that message, the, the content that you have, just remember that you're sharing that with other people. You're making that connection. You're making connections for other people. Um, and that should be like the focus of everything you do whatever tech you use. Yeah. First and foremost, you have to have something to say. Yeah. Um, and I think when we talk about measuring success, you know, a lot of, a lot of people who are using digital platforms measure success in those numbers, those analytics, you know, how wide is our audience? Where are they coming from? Um, what are the stats say? What are our, yeah. How many stars do we have or whatever? Um, and I agree with Dana. I think very much it's, it's the connections that kind of measure your success. I was at the off the street art festival, um, a month ago, and it was one of the uh, festivals that Gilbert hosts downtown in the Heritage District, which is kind of one of our, it's, it's our downtown basically. And, um, and I met a vendor there who sells Gilbert-centric merchandise, and she also happens to run a podcast. And we'd only been doing this for a few weeks. We'd only had a few episodes out. And, um, and she said, oh my goodness, are you one of those people who, who does the GovGon digital podcast? And I got so excited that we, you know, got, got to meet one of our listeners and, and it was just really cool to see that she was a Gilbert business owner. You know, she was a podcaster as well when we started talking about it and she had just found us on social media and, and picked it up as, you know, just like anybody else. Um, and, uh, and now we have a loyal listener. So it was really cool. Amazing. And a potential guest for another podcast. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, be sure to engage with us on social media. If you have questions or comments, use the hashtag GovGoneDigital. We'll see you next time from Gilbert, Arizona on Government Gone Digital. <laughs>